Light came into the world, but people preferred darkness to light because their works were evil. It's kind of hard to imagine why people prefer darkness to light, why people prefer falsehood to the truth, why people prefer evil to good. But the reality is that most people do prefer evil to good and darkness to light and falsehood to truth. It goes all the way back to the enemy being cast out of heaven and thrown down to earth, not to hell, as the Bible says. And then the enemy becomes master of the earth. We know that when Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, the devil appears to him and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, if you bow down to me, I'll give you these kingdoms, for they all belong to me. Jesus says before Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Satan's kingdom is earth. It's the world and the spirit of the world that we hear about in Holy Scripture. And his kingdom is a kingdom of light and horrors beyond imagining. But we're drawn into his darkness. His kingdom is a kingdom of darkness, not light. We're drawn into that darkness because it's simple, it's comfortable, it's going with the flow, it's the wide, broad, easy road that Jesus speaks of that everyone else is on. It's so difficult to be on a road that a few minority would be on. But needless to say, we're called to reject darkness. We're called to reject evil. We're called to reject falsehood and ugliness and to embrace truth, goodness, beauty, and light. We have a hard time doing that. So the world, Satan, and evil people, to include evil Catholics, condemn the Catholic Church and condemn those who would follow Jesus as to say you're not being fair or you're just hung up on your rules and whatever and your rules are wrong and all that. That's just excuses so that they can stay in darkness and evil. Don't, don't buy it for a second. But we hear it within, within ourselves too, unfortunately, that we want to live in light, truth, goodness, and beauty, and we find ourselves still living in darkness and falsehood and evil and ugliness. And we want to overcome it. And there's, there's rather in our, let me see, following my notes, in our first reading today, we hear about these sins and their consequences. The Jewish nation had fallen into sin, and their sins looked like all of the sins of the nations that surrounded them, and God lets them know that there are consequences for their sins. There are big consequences for sin. All right, so then they try to come out of the sin. We try to come out of the sin, but we find ourselves stumbling over it. This last week I was with somebody and the person had said to me, he said, you know, Father, God won't give us more than we can handle. And in the moment I agreed with him, and I thought, well, yeah, and I've heard, we've all heard that a thousand times. I thought, yeah, that, that's true. But God will push us right to the edge, Ronnie, right to the brink. We think we can't handle it anymore. And we say, God, I thought you weren't going to give us more than we can handle. So what am I doing here on the, on the precipice of complete collapse and everything going wrong? And then we think that we've discovered that actually we had more capacity for trial than we thought, and that God was teaching us a lesson about that, which is true. But I got to thinking on my drive home from that, uh, from that conversation, got to thinking that it's not true. God does give us more than we can handle. He does it all the time. And no, God doesn't you know, save us from the brink of falling. He actually pushes us over the brink. It's important for us to completely rely upon God, to surrender to God. And the only way that happens is if 
He gives us more than we can handle. So if we can handle it, then we can control it. And then we don't need God because we've got to handle on it. We gotta, it's all under control. It's only when we lose control that finally we surrender it all to God. And so it's important for God to give us more than we can handle. And he does all the time. All those broken relationships or those things within our own life that we want to get rid of, that we can't seem to get rid of. And here we are years later still begging God, please take this thing out of my life. I've never been able to handle it. And he won't. We're scratching our head wondering, well, why won't you? And why did you allow me to go off the edge anyway? There are parts of our lives that are out of our control, including what we choose to do with our own free will. Darkness. There are parts of our life that are in darkness. And we know we're in darkness in those parts of our life and we want to come out of it into light, and yet we find ourselves just struggling to do that find ourselves not even being able to do that. Sin in our own lives can seem to be out of control. We know that because when we go to confession, we keep confessing the same sins over and over and over again. There's some darkness there. There's some evil there. There's some falsehood there. There's some ugliness there that brings us pleasure, that brings us some kind of relief in the moment that's false and horrible, and we do it anyway. And we know better, and we still do it. And we wonder why we do it. And we ask God to take it away, and he doesn't. In our second reading today, we hear the Lord say this, For by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. It's really important to hear those words, because it's not by our own power, our own will, our own control. It's by God's grace that we're saved. And God goes on to say, and this is not from you. My grace isn't from you. It's not from you that you're going to save yourself or that you're going to overcome the darkness of your life. Going on to say, it is a gift of God. It is not from works so no one can boast. If there's something, and now maybe one in a hundred people can see something in their life they don't like, and then they just will themselves to overcome it. I think I know one priest one priest who's like that. But I see other shortcomings in that priest. But it's very rare indeed. Maybe impossible. There are just certain things about our lives that we just can't seem to overcome. We ask God to take it away and then he won't take it away. And then we're like, what's up with that? Well, it's for the surrender. It's for the surrender. We've got to just keep surrendering. And the other is for the offering. It's for the offering. And our gospel, our gospel begins today by saying, the Son of Man must be lifted up. The Son of Man must offer his life. And so must we. And that's a real bummer. Can't you just take away my suffering? Can't you at least take away the sins that offend you? And I don't want to do that anymore, but I still do it. It's like, no, it'll all be part of your Calvary. It'll all be part of what you offer up to me. And so think this through, and I say this because I think it applies to everyone. I think that there are things in everyone's life that are out of our control. I'll just use a word for it. An addiction. 
whatever it is. There's something or things in our life that are out of our control. Addictions to the seven deadly sins, some addiction in impurity and lust, pornography, masturbation, fornication, adultery, sodomy. They're just, that's just a huge thing for our generation. Huge, especially with the internet. Addictions to pride, to vanity, to judging, to accusing. Addictions to envy. You see that all, all over the place. Wanting to keep up with the Joneses and make sure that we're not left behind. Greed, make sure that we don't fall behind because, hey, well, if I share that, then I, then I won't have it for myself and I won't be safe. How many times do people not tithe to God because they're worried that, well, maybe I'll need that. God can take it all away in a heartbeat. And we'll all die one day anyway. And the truth is, of course, that we all have far more than we need, and not just materially, but the greed of our time and our talent and not sharing it with others. Gluttony, issues around our diet, I know during this Exodus 90 and my own attempt to eat just one meal a day, that's really tough. Not have any snacks, get rid of sweets. Oh man, that's tough. Man, that's tough. Addictions to anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, complaining, cynicism. There's addictions to cowardice, never speaking up when we need to. We're timid and we just give that. You say, well, that's not me. That's not my personality. It's called a weakness. It's called an addiction to cowardice. Or just the opposite. Saying things when we needed to keep our mouth shut. Not holding confidences. Gossiping about other people. These addictions, these lists just kind of just can go on and on and on and on sort of thing. Laziness and sloth. That's a major addiction. Plagues many people. You'd think that, you know, the moment you got home from work, your legs were, de- were amputated, and all you can do now is sit on the couch and watch TV and waste hours a day and years of your life in front of a TV or in front of the, or on your smartphone or the internet or whatever and not tending to your children or your family or the chores or, or improving yourself or something. But we've all got this darkness about us, and we beg God to take it from us. And the good news is he will, he will, when we die, when we die. Even the people who have gone through Alcoholics Anonymous, say somebody who's alcoholic, life went out of control, crashed their marriage, whatever, end up in the 12 steps of AA, work through the 12 steps, get to the other side. They're sober now, haven't had a drink in 10 years. They're still an alcoholic. They're just a dry alcoholic. But tomorrow, they might drink. And they're right back where they were. The addiction is still there. The, the shadow of the enemy is always there to haunt them. And will be until the day they die. Then they won't be an alcoholic anymore. And it might be that they have decades of sobriety and then they die. Praise God. But they still had an addiction that daily they had to fight against. And it's the same of all of us. We want so badly to be liberated from the darkness that's within every one of us. And we will, we will, 
and it'll be a glorious day at the end of our life when they're all finally gone. They're all finally gone. In the meantime, in this life, we keep offering up on our own hill of Calvary, on our own cross of crucifixion, the addictions and the proclivities to evil and darkness that are part of our life. And we keep trying and we keep failing and we keep giving it to God and we never stop. Because the day we stop trying is the day we've gone to hell. And the hell doesn't have to start when we die. It can begin now if I give up. So, Jesus Christ, victorious, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the infinite, powerful one, all love, truth, and goodness in Jesus Christ will continue to carry us to Calvary to the day we die as long as we don't tell them that we're quitting, as long as we don't tell them to put us down. So fight on. Fight on to the bitter end, never, ever giving up on the darkness that's in your life. Christ has come into the world and his light has overcome the world and his death and resurrection has overcome the enemy and evil. And if we believe that and we toil in it until our last breath, we will be free at last. We'll go to heaven. And what's more, some good will come from our own offering. Some great good will come from our own offering that God will use to liberate others from their darkness.